but do you believe it? That's always a question. Do you believe it? Do you really believe your enemy isn't flesh and blood? Do you really believe that? It's not the person sitting next to you, not your spouse, it's not your kids, not your parents, not your coworkers. It's the spiritual forces of evil. But do we believe it? This war is real. And we as believers, we have to embrace it. We have to accept it. We have to see it. And ignorance is not bliss when it comes to spiritual warfare. For there are spiritual forces of evil at work within this world. There is. There is evil. And I don't know if many of you know, knew what happened to this family that's, that doesn't live far from me up in Newmarket. The whole family was murdered and killed. Heinous crime. It's evil. There is evil in the world. The struggle is real. And also is the redeeming work of our Father. That is real too. And we can't lose sight of that either. Because he gives to you, he gives to his sons and daughters what everything that is necessary to help you stand firm in the midst of the battles of spiritual warfare. He gives it to you. And you know what those things are. We've been talking about them for, for the past several weeks, and it's the Gospel League. And that, and that league is here to equip you, to empower you, to renew you, to restore you. And as I said last week, it, it's, it's not enough to, to listen to these sermons to, to simply feed your intellect. It's not, that's not enough. It's not enough to, to, to get emotionally moved by these sermons. It's not enough to think the sermon title is cool and catchy and hip. It's not enough to to come here each week to check a box. It's not enough to come here and sing a few songs. We must come here each week with a militant mindset. A militant mindset that that I'm going to come here each week to get what I need from Jesus so I can go back out in the world and fight one more week. That's why we come. This is, we don't come just to play church. We come to get equipped to go back out into the world, to engage the enemy, to be salt and light of the kingdom. So we must put the Gospel League into practice in our life, in our families. We must cry out to the Holy Spirit, who's a member of the League. We must spend time in God's Word, devotionally, which is a member of the League. And we must, we must enter our war room daily, and that is prayer, who is also a member of the league. You need this, but again, do we really believe it? Do we really, really believe it? Because when we're successful and we have stuff, it's hard for us to really think we need Jesus. Because we got what we need. If we got the finances, you can get whatever you want. So do we really think we need the Gospel League in this life? Or do we think we have it under control? We got this. We don't have it. Trust me. We don't have it. You need all the members of the League, spirit, the word, and prayer. And there is another member of the League that you need as well. This member is probably the most undervalued member of the League. She is often unappreciated. She is often misunderstood. 
She is often taken for granted. She is often looked down upon. And some of you might even be surprised that she's even a member. So who is she? She's the church. The church. She is the next member of the gospel league. So if you have your Bible, open it. This is Ephesians 2, beginning in verse 11. Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision, but what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once for all have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, that by killing the hostility, he came and preached peace to those who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This is God's holy word. Please pray with me. Lord, as we come to your truth, we, we need the Holy Spirit, Lord, to, to move. We need him. And as I say often, preaching is, is, is nothing without the Spirit. There's nothing. The man, the preacher is just a man. The preacher is just a vessel. And that's it. I don't care how many titles we have or how much of a celebrity we may be. We are nothing but men. That's what we are. The glory is to Christ. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you will move, that you would take these words and first apply them to my heart. As I said, I I don't want to be here right now, but I'm here. And so I'm expecting you to move through me and speak through me in spite of me and in spite of my sin. I ask that you do this for Christ's glory. Amen. Ephesians were, was written to Christians in Ephesus. And, and the, when the believers in Ephesus, there was a great diversity among them. They came from different cultural backgrounds. They had different education levels, economic status, and nationality. So they were a diverse group of people. And so the Apostle Paul is wanting these diverse group of believers to have a healthy view and appreciation for the church, for the diverse body of Christ. And he wants the same thing for each of us, meaning that we must value the church as a member of the Gospel League. For all of us must come to a place where we have a healthy view of the church. You need her just as much as you need all the other members of the league. And again, do you believe it? Do you believe it? Paul helps us first by calling us to remember our past condition. 
And I, I, when I was doing my study, I asked myself, why, why would he start there? Why would he call us to remember our past condition in order to help us gain a better appreciation for the church? See, he wants you to remember who you were before Jesus brought you into the fold. Because we were somebody. He wants you to remember who you were before he brought you into his family. Remember your past condition. Why? Because when you've been in church for a long time, you easily forget who you used to be. You've been a believer for a long time. You easily forget what Christ redeemed you from. You forget where you came from. And all of us know what it's like to be around people who forget where they come from. Right? They have a certain attitude about them. A self-righteous kind of attitude. Their nose is up in the air and they think they're better than others. Arrogant and self-centered. And when believers bring this type of attitude into the church, it creates a certain unhealthy environment, an unhealthy view of the church. Because the church isn't property. The church isn't programs that we consume, but she is the people. In unity, in community. And we can easily forget that when you've been doing church for a long time. You can forget about it. It becomes about property and programs and no longer about the people. I traveled to, I traveled to Birmingham a few weeks ago um, to attend a meeting about minority church planning within the Presbyterian Church in America. That is our denomination. And I met with a few pastors and ruling elders at the Harbor Parts Church. And we prayed, and as we prayed and talked and shared ideas about church planning, one of the, 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 one of the older, older ruling elders gave his opinion about how American believers um, view the church. Now, this guy's probably in his 60s and 70s, so he's seen a lot throughout his lifetime. And he said, they just don't appreciate the church and church membership. They don't see the importance of the church in their life. This is what this older saint was saying. Do you agree with him? Is this true of you? Is this true of me? I'm also providing church planning coaching to a friend of mine who was planning a cross-cultural trip like I was in South Carolina. And he and I talked once a month. And in his recent newsletter he sent out, he gave a, a quote from a guy named John Leonard from his book, Get Real. And this quote, I think, reinforces the fact that Americans tend to, American Christians tend to have a, a low view of the church. He says, Western individualism has turned the church into an event that I may or may not participate in depending on what I get out of it. This is, what, this is not what the church is to be. It is a community of people who bring the best of the grace that God has given us and give it to one another. If our participation in the church is dependent upon what we get out of the church and how it caters to us, then we quickly have forgotten where we come from. We have forgotten what Christ has redeemed us from, what he has brought us to. We need to remember our past condition. Because the church is not program. It's not property. But it's a diverse group of people that Christ has brought into his body to be in community, to be in unity with each other. We are to bring the best of God's grace and give it to one another. So there are four traits about our past condition that the apostle speaks of in this passage. Four things he highlights for us to remember. Now, Ephesians was written to 
to Christians in Ephesus, but they are the original audience. They are the original readers, but the message is still applicable to each of us. So first, Paul tells them to remember that at one time they were Gentiles in the flesh. Gentiles in the flesh. That's a reference to their birth. They were born Gentiles. They were born into a pagan community. They were not born into religious privilege. As Brown Chapel says, they did not have covenant status. They were not Jewish. They did not receive the mark of the covenant. They were not circumcised. And so they were outside the nation of Israel, outside of God's external covenant people. They were lost. And Paul says, remember that. That's who you used to be before Christ brought you in. You were Gentiles in the flesh, Gentiles by birth. And we're Gentiles. We're not Jewish. We're Gentiles. Various shades of Gentiles, but Gentiles nonetheless. And along with this, Paul called them to remember, to remember three other things about their condition. He says, remember that you were also at that time separated from Christ. What do you think he means about separation here? What do you think he is referring to? It's a reminder to them that salvation came from the Jews, not Gentiles. Remember, think about that. Salvation came from the Jews. And Jesus spoke these words to the Samaritan woman in John 4. He says, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. And Paul says in Romans 5, Romans 9, verses 4 and 7, they are Israelites. To them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, the promise. To them belong the patriarchs. And from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all. Blessed forever. Amen. The Christ and the Messiah isn't from African descent. He's not from European descent. He's not from Latin descent. He's not American. He's Jewish. He's He's from the Middle East. And we have to remember this. Remember, we were brought into this through Christ, our past condition, that salvation is from the Jews, not the Gentiles. Third, he says, remember that you were also alienated and excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. That means that as Gentiles, they were not part of God's covenant community. They were not citizens within Israel. Because in the Old Testament, Israel was God's chosen people. He gave them the law. He gave them the prophet. He gave them protection. He gave them promises. And as Gentiles, if you were not born into that, you didn't share in those common things. You didn't have those rights. Again, he says, remember this, that you were foreigners when it came to the commonwealth of Israel. That's who you used to be. Fourth, he says, Remember that you were also at that time strangers to the covenants of promise. What does he mean by that? Strangers to the covenants of promise. God was in relationship with Israel through covenants. And he issued several covenants. And so if you are a Jew, I mean a Gentile in during this time, you didn't have this special covenant relationship with him. As one writer says, the covenants of promise... We're not only the basis for Israel's relationship to God, but also the social glue that united neighbor, worship communities, and families. And so if you were outside of that, you didn't have this community. You didn't have it as a Gentile. This is our past condition as Gentiles. 
And I hope you see what, what, what Paul is doing here. He's saying that remember at one time, you did not have community at one time. You were excluded from God's covenant people. And that is true for all of us until we come to saving faith in Jesus. And when we come to saving faith in Jesus, he brings us into his covenant community, his church, the body of Christ. Because before that, we were separated. We were alienated. We were strangers. We were hopeless and we were without God in the world. But now Christ, Jesus, has come and he has brought you near. Not just to God, he has brought you to his family. By his blood. But do we believe this? Do we live this? In these words, Paul, when he says, but in Christ you have been brought near, he's moving away from who you used to be to who you are now. That in Jesus, in your union with Jesus, you have a personal relationship with him, but you also have a relationship with his people, too. You should want to be around his people, be in fellowship with his people, because he has engrafted us into his covenant family. And so as, a, as believers, when you, and as you think about the church, and the church is a member of the Gospel League, we need one another. We need to be in community with one another, in fellowship with one another. But do we appreciate that? Do we value that? Or do we think Christianity is like American culture? It's just individualism. It's just me and Jesus and mine. I don't need any other believers. That is not Christianity. That is not our faith. We are in community. We are a body. And we need one another. Because if you love Jesus, then you're going to love his people. You can't say you love him and you don't love the ones he died for. You want to be with them in community. And so... Do we appreciate it? Is the church a priority in our life? The church isn't an event that we participate in. It's not like going to Alabama and Auburn game. It's a community. It's not like a concert. It's not like Wall Street where you make an investment. You expect a certain percentage on your investment. That's not the church. It's people, 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 people. And as I said, when you're in church for a long time, we easily forget that. Because it gets busy. We've got to keep the building up. We've got to have more programs. But that's not church. Church is what Richard read today in the first part of Acts 2. It's to Christians in communion together, breaking bread together, eating together, sharing one another, walking alongside one another. That's the picture of the church. And that's the picture that we should have of our local church. It's doing those things together. The Bible says that the church is the bride of Christ. And there's a special relationship that, she, that he has with her. And that's who that speaks of you. You're his bride. You're his bride. And what do you make of that? What do you make of that? You're his bride. That means you're special. 
That means he values you. That means he's going to protect you. That means he's going to be there for you. That means he's going to support you. How can you not want to be a part of that body? Knowing that the head of you is going to always do right by you. And that is Jesus. That is who you are. And we should appreciate that. We should value that. We should long for that. Our motto here at the Village Church is broken people coming together. Broken people coming together. Because at the end of the day, that's what church is. It's broken people coming together. So there'll be churches that own that, and there'll be churches that try to hide that. We don't hide that here. If you're broken, you're welcome. Now, if you want to hide your brokenness, then that's not going to be the place for, for you. We are broken people. And when you come here, it's okay to say it. It's okay to cry out to Jesus. I ain't got it today. It's okay to, to say, I don't feel like praising today, but I'm here. It's okay to tell a brother and sister, you know what? I'm struggling right now. This is not the place to come and hide. This is the place to be in communion and say, I need you. I need your prayers. I need your fellowship. I need your accountability. If your mom is like, I'm tired. These kids are getting on my nerves. I need a break. Can you help me out? (laughs) Yes. Let us know what you need. And we will be there for you. And we'll be there for you. It's okay to be human. It's okay to save your stress. It's okay. If you talk with people and they they look down on you, come get me and I'll pull them to the side. But so it's okay to come here and be broken. You would not be judged. You would be welcome. And if you are judged, those people need to go repent. It's okay. And so this is just the first sermon in this series on the church. And I got a couple more that I'm going to preach next week and the week after. But this one is important because we got to remember where we come from. That at one point, you didn't have community. Not this type of community. And that is what Paul wants these Gentiles to remember. You were outside the covenant people. You didn't have covenant status. But now, when you come to faith in Jesus, you have that. If you never had community, you're supposed to have it here. If you never had a family, you're supposed to have it here. If you never had parents, you should find it here. If you never had a daddy, you should find it here. In the covenant community. To be for you what you need, relationally. And if the church is not doing that, then we're not doing church. It's the people. It's always the people. Never the programs. Never the property. This building, it ain't a sexy building. We ain't ever going to have a sexy building. And that's for a reason. Because the church ain't ever going to be about this. Look at the windows. It ain't matching. But that's okay. Because this is a reflection of who we are. We're broken. And when you come in here, the sound don't always work. We're broken. The chairs ain't always in order. We're broken. And the pastor don't always want to be here because I'm broken. And it's okay. You've got to be okay with that. You have to be. And I'm done now, so I pray.
Father God, I thank you that you love broken people. That's why you came. You came because you knew that we could never own up and live up to your standards. You knew that. That's why Christ came. And he died for real sins. He died for the sins we presently struggle with. You know that we are dust. Help us to remember that. You're never caught off guard when we fail. You're never caught off guard when we struggle. You're like, that's why I sent Christ. That's why he came, because you're not perfect. And so I pray, Lord, as as our congregation grows, that you will grow us closer together as a family. Now, in the family, people get on your nerves, I know. And that's, that's family. But, Lord, we keep short accounts. We go to one another when there's an issue. And that my neighbor and my sister in the faith is not my enemy. And we need to believe that. They are not our enemy. Even when they get on our nerves, whatever that, they're not our enemy. They are our brother and sister in the Lord. And if we have an issue, we go to them in love because we want to be in fellowship with them and reconcile to them. Because if we love you, then we're going to love your people. Christ's name I pray. Amen.